Good morning, everyone. Today, we have the Feast of the Annunciation to Mary. And so, I just want to go over a little bit about that. This is the moment when Mary discovers her vocation to be a mother, right? She discovers her vocation. And so, it's very good for all of you, it's very good for all of us, to always be praying about our vocations in life. Not only to discover those vocations but how to live those vocations that we have better. A lot of you are already moms. I see babies here. When I talked about the part leaping for joy, they look like they were leaping too, like John the Baptist. So, so a lot of you are moms here, and so you can relate to this story. And so this is a unique one where it's revealing the plan that God had for Mary. And so a lot of times we need to reflect on this more and see Mary, when she was before the angel appeared to her, She doesn't know until the angel appears that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah of Jesus. She doesn't know she's going to be queen of the universe. And so Mary is so humble, there's some private revelation um, given to St. Bridget where she says, Mary, this is private revelation, not in the Bible, just to understand her humility. She said, Mary had a desire to be the maid of the mother of the Messiah. So Mary, before she discovered her role, she had this desire, a dream to serve, to be a maid for the mother of the Messiah, the queen. So when the angel appears to Mary, and he says to her, rejoice, you are filled with grace. What he basically is telling her, Mary you are not going to be the maid of the queen. You are the queen. You are the queen. You're not the maid of the queen. You are the queen. Because Mary is so humble, she's not walking around, just walking around like, oh yeah, I'm the queen of the universe. Everyone honor me. No, no, that's not how it works. She is the humble maiden. And so when the angel speaks to her, She's discovering who she is and understanding her role. So we have to look at some of these words. This is very important. Sometimes people try to think like, where do Catholics get all these things that they say about Mary? And we really don't know what we're reading when we're reading the Bible. So when the angel says hail, that word is Greek for rejoice. He says, rejoice you who are filled with grace. Okay, so the word grace here is written in a unique way in Greek. It's not actually just written the regular word just for grace. It's written as a present participle. Okay, I'm not good with grammar. Okay, maybe some of you are not. But the way it's written is that it's saying, Mary, you have been given a grace in the past, but it's present and it's enduring right now. You have it. So how does the angel... Say that Mary is filled with grace when she has not been baptized and she's not even pregnant with Jesus yet. How does the angel say to Mary, you are filled with a grace from the past, it's present, and it's enduring right now. So when he appeared in Gabriel last week to Zechariah, he does not greet Zechariah in this way. And Gabriel also appeared in the past in the Old Testament He doesn't greet anyone this way, but when he sees Mary, he says, Rejoice, you are filled with this 
grace. And what grace means, it means you're filled with the life of God. You have the life of God in you. And so when does that happen for all of us? You guys know? You guys know? When, when do are we filled with the life of God, kids? Do you know? When? 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 Now think about that. Okay. We're filled with the life of God at our baptism. So the word grace in the New Testament later on, it's only used for people who have been baptized and saved by the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God at the moment of their baptism. So this is showing us the church, the early church has always seen this as Mary not having original sin because original sin is wiped away from us in our baptism. But already the angel in advance is saying before she's even pregnant, Mary, you are filled with the life of God. Rejoice. So there's other places in the, Old, in the Bible that explain this. But this one word that he uses is huge to understanding why we believe Mary is to be sinless, why she, has, she is filled, she is chosen. And so as we go on here, there's some profound things that are said about Mary. Okay, one thing to look at her amazing faith. When she asks the angel, how am I going to have a baby? I do not know man. This is very interesting because she's already married to St. Joseph. So for the Jews, the first stage of marriage is marriage. We know this because when St. Joseph finds out she's pregnant, he's thinking he has to divorce her. But because they're already married. So it's very odd. The church fathers have reflected. Why would Mary think, how am I going to get pregnant? The understanding is that she has already given herself to God as a promise to remain a virgin her whole life. It's the only way to explain why she's asking the angel, how am I going to get pregnant when I'm already married? So this is how we understand Mary remains a perpetual virgin. So it's all written right here. It's just very important to go over some of these things because some people complain we need to know more about the Bible. So I'm going to give you a whole Bible lesson today. Anyways, so a few more things. A lot of people have a problem honoring Mary with certain titles like the mother of God. But we can see in today's scripture reading, how does, Mar how does Elizabeth speak to Mary when she visits her? So as soon as Mary, she's so humble... When she hears that Elizabeth is pregnant, immediately she goes to Elizabeth to do what? Not only to share the good news that she is pregnant, but to serve her. Because this is what Mary does. She, she's not slow. It says she went in haste, urgently. She is going. She's always active, on the move. And when she goes to Elizabeth's house... Just at the sign of her greeting, just her greeting, her greeting, her hello, when she walks into the house, Elizabeth is immediately flooded with the Holy Spirit, and she says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she says, who am I that you are coming to me, entering under my roof? Who am I? That the mother of my Lord, Kyrie in Greek, which for Jesus, it always means a divine sense. So she's saying, who are you? The mother of my God is coming to me. And Mary's a little girl. Elizabeth 
is a lot older, maybe in her 80s, 90s, we don't exactly know. And she has high status in Israel. And she's saying to a lowly maiden, she's saying, who am I that you are even coming to my house? Right? And so when we honor Mary, you can see how Elizabeth is honoring her by giving her blessings by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you. Blessed are you because you believed in what the angel said to you. And I'm not even worthy that you should even walk into my house, into my presence. This is how she speaks to Mary. And she hasn't even given birth to Jesus. So if you want to understand why and how we honor the mother, mother Mary, who Jesus honors, we can just look at the words right here. That the way... And Mary doesn't take all this glory for herself. As soon as she says all these things, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She redirects all the glory to God. She goes, God gives me glory, but I magnify his glory and I give it right back. And so after this, but Mary does say, all generations will call me blessed. All generations. So do all Christians who are not Catholic call Mary blessed or the revered one of God? This can be translation. All generations will call me revered. No, they don't. They do not. Unfortunately, they do not see what's right in front of them. Another place to see how God honors Mary, how Jesus honors her. We can see in Revelation, and I don't mean to go too much into this, just one more, one more point. In Revelation, in Revelation 12, a sign appears in heaven. A woman clothed with twelve, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and she has a crown of 12 stars in the heavens. So, who puts the moon under Mary's feet in Revelation 12? Why is the moon under her feet? And why is God clothing her? She's clothed with the sun. It says the sun is her clothing. And she has a crown of 12 stars. What does that say about God? Does Mary do that for herself? Absolutely not. Jesus is the one who's lifting her up, not Mary lifting herself up. And so it's just so clear for all of us to see in the scriptures that when we honor Mary, we are directly giving Jesus great glory. In fact, whenever we honor her, automatically all the glory goes to Jesus. Automatically. Because if someone honors your mother, imagine, if someone, if your mom is old, an old age or something, if someone takes care of your mom, how do, what do, you, how do you think of that person? You'd be like, thank you for, for honoring my mom. Thank you for taking care of my mom. Thank you for everything you've done. It gives you honor. It glorifies you. It honors you than when someone honors your own mother. And so if Jesus says that he is our brother and we are the brothers and sisters of Jesus, if he is my brother in the scriptures, he says, then is not his mother our mother? And I'm not going to go into the foot of the cross where Jesus says, behold your mother. That's another another homily. Um, We can do that later. But it's important that we understand why we believe the things we believe about Mary. 
Because we cannot remain ignorant, especially these days, I'm sorry, people are challenging us more and more, and it's because we stay silent. We don't talk about more why we believe in what were the things we believe about Mary. And it's, it's in Scripture. What the Catholic Church believes about Mary is, is rooted here in seed form. And it's here. And it's important that we know that. One more thing, just for us practically speaking. Um, today, when I want us to pray about our vocations, not just the vocations to become priests and nuns, but the vocation of motherhood is attacked today more than anything it, it, the world today tells us being a mom is like some sort of bad thing, or it's not important. But motherhood, you can see here, is the greatest important. It is the future of the church. Being a mom is the greatest gift. You are raising children who have immortal souls for the kingdom of God in heaven for all eternity. You are, you are building God's future kingdom with his children. There is nothing more sacred, beautiful than being a mom and a dad. That is beautiful. These children, they have immortal souls. Being a mom is a gift, a vocation from God. And so by Mary's yes, she literally in that moment, she says, I will be the mother of Jesus. And by that moment... Because of her, yes, she gave birth to us spiritually, that we are alive in Christ because of her, yes. So I just ask that people have a new appreciation and openness to life. Because today, a lot of times we are selfish today, that we are not open to life anymore. And I'm not saying that people should have five million children. You know, Jesus, Mother Mary only had one child. But I hear too many times we're not even open to the possibility of having a family. I meet with married couples, especially when I was at St. George, you know, mashallah, 200 weddings a year. And I meet with couples, and already the couple comes into my office, and they've already decided how many children they're going to have. I'm like, you're not even married yet. You don't even know if God is going to give you one child, let alone is he going to give you two. So, like, they've already planned their life without God. I'm planning my life, God. I'm having two children, a boy and a girl, and I'm going to have a white fence and a nice fluffy dog. And my house and everything's going to be perfect. This is not reality, even though we, a lot of us have these fluffy dogs. That's okay, they're cute. But, but that's not the plan. The plan, there's no, today, we have become so not understanding that God has a plan. And this is why the Catholic Church, and not only the Catholic Church, the Christian Church in a lot of places is dying. Because a lot of people in the 60s and all over the world, they made a decision as if, as if having the plan is to have one child or two. Now, I understand that having children is hard. I'm not going to tell you how many kids to have. That's between you and Jesus. That's between you and God in prayer. But it's something that we should pray about. It's something that we should ask God. It's something husbands and spouses should pray in front of the Eucharist. Jesus, how many kids do you want me to have? Right? Because a lot of us in this church, we wouldn't even exist if our parents were not open to life. I, I can give you a long story about like, how half of you probably in this church are the, you're, you're the descendant of someone who is child number six or child number five or child. We would not even exist if our grandmothers weren't open to life. And so today, more than anything, motherhood is being attacked. So I just ask us to pray, all of us, about our vocations and asking Jesus to really give us the grace to know what we are called 
and how we are called to live our vocations. Amen.